This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3083 for Wednesday the 27th of May 2020. Today's show is entitled Mumbling While on Lockdown. It is hosted by Dave Morris and is about 50 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is two Edinburgh-based hosts have a chat from their respective houses. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Welcome to Hacker Public Radio. This is Dave Morris, and I'm talking to Mr. X. Hi, Mr. X. How are you doing? Hi, Dave. Doing fine. Doing fine in these uh, interesting times we're uh, living in. Indeed, indeed. So we're just doing the thing that uh, I think more and more people are doing, which is just getting together over over mumble or, or other other methods just to, to have a chat, you know, because sat sitting in your house. Uh, without a much chance of talking to anybody is uh, is a bit frustrating. So it's quite nice to to, to virtually get out and, and have a wee chat. So that's what we're doing. Yes, in, indeed, indeed. Uh, of course, uh, obviously been uh, sort of video chatting and whatnot with uh, other members of the family and whatnot. Uh, and uh, my, my mother's becoming very... Um, um, Buffet with uh, with hangouts and whatnot, and uh, my brother's been using Duo, so which there's it seems it seems to be a bit of a, a kind of mess that Google's done with their their video conferencing. They've got the Duo, which kind of replaced Hangouts, but it doesn't do text uh, chat. You know, you can't do text; you want to do video, and and I didn't even really know even really, really know anything about Duo. It's my brother was telling me he's an IT, so oh, it just seems a bit of a mess, really. <laughs> I, I don't know anything about it at all, actually. I uh, I was telling you earlier that I had a wee chat with a friend using Jitsi uh, during the during the week. We just used the Jitsi Meet thing, which is uh, a web-based thing. So you just go to it and start up a chat, and it gives you a, a name. Oh, I think you can probably give it your own name, and then you share it with your with your um, friends or whoever you're speaking to, and. Uh, I think there's passwords involved or can be but uh, we didn't bother with that so that seemed to work quite well and it does have a, a text stream as well so you can uh, when i was having problems with my microphone <laughs> we were able to say dave are you there and can you hear me and all that sort of stuff over the text which is quite cool yeah yeah it's funny we we're, were just having a brief chat before we hit the record button and uh, i have a webcam or i did have a webcam uh, many years ago, and I I gave it to my mother, and uh, I don't think she ever used it. So uh, you know, next time I, I, I see her from a distance, uh, at, a, at a socially acceptable distance, I'll um, I'll ask her if she can uh, place it somewhere between us, and then I can pick it up and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> set it up. Yeah, yeah, that would be quite good. I should say, by the way, just as a as a digression, I'm sitting in my back room of my house, my sort of back kitchen dining room area, with the back door open because it's really nice weather, and my neighbour's kids are out rampaging around, so you will hear noises off, but uh, it's all part of the ambience, I think. Yeah, well, I, I'm sitting in, in in the spare room, stroke hobby room, stroke video room, and uh, it's 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 cooking. Uh, so, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll manage that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just um, I forget sometimes because there's I've done recordings like this in the past, and then I'm listening to them and I think, oh, there's bird song on it. You know, there's this some twittering bird outside in the back garden, <laughs> or a crow or something shouting, and you think, oh, I wonder how that comes across to people at the other end. Yeah, indeed. Well, actually, I had a. Uh, I think I had a, the other day. I, had a, I was down in the, in the garden at the back of the garden. It's not a particular garden, 
and I had the tablet with me, and uh, I gave uh, I, I gave my mother a call, and uh, it was really weird because well, I had to turn the brightness fairly high up on the on the screen, obviously, but uh, you know the uh, it was fine, and, and of course she could see all the greenery in the garden and whatnot, and uh, I, I was I was surprised, you know, the Wi-Fi signal held up really nice, and uh, mm-hmm. we found our found our, our internet connection has been good and solid so far, so which of course for all these people online. It, it might be an issue, but no, we've been doing all right, you know. Yeah, I can't complain either. It's 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 been it's been pretty good. I'm actually on um an an Ethernet connection because I've got I've got a lot of wiring in my house, so I like to use that over the wire uh, rather than the Wi-Fi for a lot of things. But uh, that's just me. My kids would not bother at all if they were they don't use it. Even though I I've actually got um an eight port network switch on the kitchen table here so sometimes when they come to visit for dinner or something they the laptops and tablets and things come out and they say dad have you got a, is there a port i could use on that and they plug in and so, so <laughs> it's a it's a new fitting on the on the dining room table these days which is i don't know if that's ultra geeky or just just realistic <laughs> yeah that can't be many people that have a uh... Uh, a multi-port switch and their uh, hub on their and their, their <laughs> dining room table. <laughs> <laughs> it works, though. It works. <laughs> well, you see, my my daughter. Uh, I'm not seeing them much. They don't. They don't live with me at the moment. But uh, they, yeah, they do come in for a, for a quick visit every so often. You know, and we we sit the requisite distance apart. And uh, but my daughter uh, earlier on this year was doing a lot of study, and she used to like to come over here and use this big big kitchen table for, for stuff and she'd say oh can I just plug my laptop in you know, to uh, to get a, get a better signal than on the wi-fi but um, it's a fairly rare thing I think it's it's just sort of getting access to the to weird systems and stuff or maybe the university's uh, system that she's using or something like that but uh, so it, it seemed like uh, the right thing to do though maybe there's a the time will come when there won't be a an eight-port switch on the table here, but we'll see. I used to have an old uh, BT router, uh, and it was it was um, hacked not by myself, but uh, it was obviously obviously it was originally locked down to BT, and I had a very limited number of ports in the back, so I got myself a, a cheap switch and uh, and I used that for a while so I did have something like that here, uh, but I now have another router which has got a few more ports in it, and it's I don't actually have as many ports as I used to have because with the switch I had more. But I can just about squeeze into the the four ports on the back, um, and I use Wi-Fi for the other bits and pieces. Um, but I tell you, a thing I, I noticed was when I got this this tablet, uh, I, I discovered obviously Wi-Fi. I think I've already touched this before. But obviously, the Wi-Fi standards have gone up and up and up. And my Nexus Seven was okay, but um, I've discovered that my Wi-Fi speed uh, across the network, because just transferring from machine to machine. It's way faster than the than the Ethernet, so it's such a surprising. Yeah, well, yes, you're right. You're right. I've actually um, got two routers in the house. I probably mentioned this before, but I had one that um, my ISP said was failing. You know, the the uh, wide area network side was failing, which which happens. Uh, I don't disbelieve them, but of course the rest of it was working. So I've actually transferred it through to the back of the house and I'm just using it as a bridge system so it's it's got um, network switch network ports on it but it's also got a whole load more uh, wireless connections so maybe that's why my kids tend to not to be asking for direct connections so much these days because the wireless is better but uh, yeah yeah I see that nowadays a lot of if you go and buy some of the more upmarket routers they come as a as a sort of cluster of machines in some cases. I've not really got into this. I'm sure other people will know a lot more about this than I do. But I see some like the the Google are selling routers, and they um, they they come as a, a sort of a cluster which you put all over the, the house, and they 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 network between each other and made it make a sort of matrix or whatever you'd call it a mesh. I think a mesh networking between them. So you know. Obviously, dealing with the, the instance where um, your reception is good here, but not so good there because of the walls in the way or whatever, which is which is interesting. It's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. I, 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 mean, I do know people who have, issue, have, who have had issues with, with the Wi-Fi and whatnot. 
maybe because the house isn't uh, so big and um and I, I, I don't know uh, but I was as I said I was at the bottom of the garden and I had a video conference uh, and it was working fine as well so I, I don't really need any extenders but I think it's maybe more to do with the fact that the size of the house rather than anything else you know and I think the walls are not they're not like solid stone or anything like that so uh, which obviously absorbs the microwave and whatnot so uh, yeah yeah wi-fi is okay you know for me anyway yeah, my work in IT at the university down the road from here, um, getting Wi-Fi around that place was a nightmare because a lot of the buildings are um, steel-framed things. You know, when they're built, they build a, a girder structure and then they do sort of glass fill or, you know, concrete panels or something in between them. And so um, to get reception wireless reception through them was a total nightmare not a thing i was involved with but hearing that the guys had to do that swearing about it <laughs> it was uh, yeah and the, the building we were in had like a sort of corrugated iron skin on the outside it was it was not corrugated iron but it was a sort of metallic skin on the outside of the building because it was trendy and architects thought it was good and of course that uh, that led to all sorts of problems as well couldn't get a still can't get a uh, a phone signal in the place you have to go out to use your phone so all sorts of clever things like that wow <laughs> that's that's not that's awkward yeah yeah <laughs> um I've, I've got uh it's, it's just a standard router that, that came with isp and it, it got it got slated um the the router uh when it came out and uh, just recently i got a an alternative store if you, if you if you sign up for another so many months uh, uh, we'll we'll make it cheaper, and you'll get a new new router. So I said, so I got that anyway. But I thought I don't want a new router. I'm happy with the one I've got. Just 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 give me the, the cheaper contract. But no, I end up with my new router, which I haven't even taken out the box. So I'm quite happy with this one. It's all set up, and I can't be bothered reconfiguring a new router. So I've just, I've just left it left it as working fine. So yeah, it, it's uh, they they seem to be fairly disposable. These things, don't they? My daughter had a. When she was away at university, living in a flat with, with some friends and stuff, they got a talk-talk um, contract, and it came with the router. And then at the end of the contract, when they, they left, said, well, do you want your router back? said, oh, no, you can have it. So it's in this house somewhere. I'm still not quite sure what to do with it. It's probably something you could do with it. It's probably hackable, but uh, it's too many things to play with here, so I haven't done anything with it. Yeah, and that's a couple of these sort of things. Like the BT router, this one, that one will be uh, locked to Talk Talk, so uh, or Gift Cap or whatever. Uh, Talk Talk's like it all mixed up. That's right. So, so you'll be you won't be able to use it unless, unless you hack it, as you say. So yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's all sorts of um, hacks that you can come across. I've not looked on looking for that particular one, but other ones I've seen where people show show that if you if you bridge these two points on the circuit board, then you can do a factory reset on it, and then you you're at liberty to do whatever you like. Even put new firmware on some of them. So uh, you know some of the ones that are that are compatible with Open WRT and, and that type of thing. Which is fewer than than it used to be, but you know you can you can do it. Oh yeah, it's open WRT. I I, I looked into that because I got I had myself one of these slugs. I didn't actually end up doing anything with it, but remember the the open. Mm -hmm. I do. It? Yeah, the slug thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what, <laughs> what his proper name was, but uh, yeah, yeah. I've I've known a number of people have these over the over the years, and they, they were quite quite a thing at one time. They're a bit slow now, I think. Yeah, well, that's it. I never really got anywhere with it. I had great plans for doing something with it, but I never did. So it was a waste of time, really. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, in the early days of household computing and stuff, I bought myself way before the Raspberry Pi era. I bought myself one of these plug computer things, which was what was it called? Oh, Shiva plug, Shiva plug. So that's just a, a little arm processor in a in a box. It wasn't actually part of the plug, though some of them were. It was a separate box on the end of a end of a cable, but it ran Debian, and uh, I used it used to use it quite a lot actually for a while. It was it's pretty weedy, especially when the Raspberry Pi started to come out. It looked it looked quite uh, quite feeble, but I still got it. And I was thinking the other day, I wonder if I could actually put something useful on there and get it back to life again. So it's not actually dead, but it, it, it'll have a very 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 old. Um, Linux version on it, and uh, I think a lot of the support for these things is gone. 
but it'd be quite nice to to resurrect it just so i can say you know it's, a, it's still still usable <laughs> yeah i remember these shiba plug things and looking in and envy thinking oh i should have bought that rather than the slug thing because i think it came out a wee bit after the slug and it did look a bit more fun and there was a bit more you could do with it so uh but uh, i thought well i've and I remember it's, it's, it's typical Kanye Scott. I've bought this thing. I'm going to. I'm not going to buy another one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's probably very wise. I started. I changed my attitude once the Raspberry Pi came out and started to to buy them whenever the, the mood took me because they they're so relatively cheap, especially the zeros for for about a fiver or whatever it was in the first instance. Amazing. So uh, yeah, I have a few of those knocking around the house. <laughs> yeah, I never bought a, a Pi Zero. I, I never got around to that, and, and it's, it's so cheap that I've got three or four Pies around the house. And I think is it a Pi Three is the most recent one I have. I haven't got the four, um, but uh, yeah, I've got. They're very very useful. They're great great devices, you know. Absolutely. The Pi Four is a bit of a mixed blessing. Still, I think it's uh, with all the, the heat issues and the fact that you can't uh, boot them off the off a USB device, which is what I'd been doing, which were, that's the way my Pi 3 is set up. Just got the 1.3, I can't remember now. So I got SSDs and plugged them into these various machines, and it was great to be able to put the entire operating system on the SSD and then boot it from there without the need for a, an SD card at all, you know. Um, that was entirely possible, but oh, it's not uh, possible with four at the moment. You've dropped out there, Dave. Oh, you hear me? Yes, yes. Uh, you said it was great to be able to put the entire, and then you dropped out at that moment. Like my oh, right. well, that's very strange. Can you hear me still? Yeah, loud and clear. Hmm. Maybe my finger slipped off the uh, push to talk button or something. No, just just to say that um, being able to boot off the SSD without needing a an SD card at all, I thought was quite good. You, you can just do the boot off the SD card on the Pi 4 and then, then do the rest off the uh, off an SSD, but I, I haven't got around to, to setting that up yet. But why, why they didn't make that available from day one, I don't know. Yeah, I've never tried any of that. I'm, I've always been perfectly happy with the, um, uh, the, the SD card. It's, it's funny, people have complained, I've heard people complain, oh, about... about, about trashing SD cards in their Pi, uh, and also about the sound as well. And it's funny that um, the the SD card, I've, I've, I've never had a single SD card fail on any of my Pis. Uh, I think I've probably still got the original SD card that I had my very, very first Pi uh, kicking about here somewhere. And uh, I've got a Pi 3 which runs every single day non-stop, um, and it's never crashed. And I've upgraded the, the card a few a couple of times, and... Uh, and all the audio as well, you know, okay, it was a little bit clicky and poppy in the early days, and um, it used a lot of processing. If you checked, it, you know, at top or whatever, you'd see it using quite a bit of the processing. But uh, now, but there's, there's so much firmware hacking going on by the Pi Institute, you know, that it uses hardly any processing. And uh, I think the audio sounds great. I mean, I, I use it on my college headphones, and certainly more than good enough for 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 voice, and I, probably even good enough for, for 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 music as well. I would I would argue, you know. Yeah, 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 that, that's good. Yeah, you're right. It has come on a lot, hasn't it? And a lot of clever add-ons, um, hardware add-ons for the for the Pies have improved things a lot. There's some very fancy audio add-ons, I, I see, quite expensive ones in some cases that you can you can put on. So yeah, a lot of a lot of possibilities. Sticking with the Pie, regardless, I guess is the way. I have had one SD card fail. I think I think it did. My original Pi, um, the first generation one, the Model A or whatever it was called. Is that what it was called? I've forgotten. It's just here on the shelf beside me. But uh, um, it, uh, I was using that for a while as a cups driver for my old um, inkjet printer. It's a laser jet. No, it's just an inkjet. I did an, I did an HBR show about it. But it, it, it failed eventually, the, the Pi, and I think it was the card, though I've not actually investigated. It's here because I was going to try and uh, resurrect it with a new card and put one of these very minimal um, versions of uh, something on it. Um, 
Claudio Miranda did a show recently where he was talking about, I think it was Tiny Core uh, that he that he put on one of these. So I was going to give that a shot, see if it was, that was usable at all. Yeah, Tiny Core. I've had a wee, wee play with that many, many years ago. Uh, that was fun uh, and quite amazing uh, with this show. And uh, that the, I was speaking to you, I think, last time and trying to work out this small, minimal distro I'd been playing with uh, before. It was Puppy Linux. That was the one. I couldn't remember the name of it. Puppy Linux. Oh yeah, yeah. I, think, I that? had yeah. that on. Is that still going? I don't think so. No, I think it's it's moved on. Somebody was talking about that on a podcast recently. I don't remember the details. I think it it um it's it's changed name, and it's been sort of subsumed into something else, I believe. But I, I don't know the details. Yeah, I've a funny feeling they do not they do not bark when you when you boot it up or something like that. Something funny <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I I ran it because did it not come with a bunch of useful tools for uh, for investigating disks and that type of stuff? So you could use that as a um, as a means of, of uh, looking over a, a, a possibly dead disk from another system. Yeah, uh, possibly. Um, Am I confusing it with something I'm, else? I'm not- or am I, hang on, I'm just, I went, I'm, maybe I'm getting confused. With, I did definitely try Puppy Linux. Maybe was it damn small Linux? Was that another one I tried? I can't remember. There was a few I, I, I did try. There was one I was using on a on a machine, uh, which uh, which wasn't mine. It was just a, a way to get a, a, a Linux prompt to, to experiment sort of thing. I can't remember whether it was damn small Linux or Puppy Linux or one of these, these ones anyway. Uh, so, but, but I can't remember very much about it. it was, I was really just interested in getting a, a, a bash prompt rather than anything else, you know. Yes, oh, absolutely, absolutely. No, I, I think I just played around with these things, didn't use them in earnest to, to any great degree. But uh, I do recall, maybe it was an old laptop or something else I ran it on. I, I really can't remember. I still have, still got my daughter's old laptop, which is pretty weedy now. Um, trying to think what to put on that <laughs> so trouble is though if you go and resurrect old machines then um it's not always there's not always a good use <laughs> and with the raspberry pies they're not using up much power whereas you know you use an old desktop or an old laptop then you, you can potentially uh, have this thing running running a, a longish time and then using up quite a lot of electricity just goes against the grain a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, you, you were talking about the, um, what was it now? Oh, it was a print server using cuts. That was it. Yeah, I did that for a while as well on my old uh, compact server. And I was planning on using my Raspberry Pi to, to take over from that, but it never happened. And I just thought, ah, oh, I'd kind of moved it close to the print, the PC anyway. So that oh, I'll just plug this USB plug in and that'll fix it. <laughs> it's just too easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, it was just one of those challenges I set myself, and uh, was really happy when I actually managed to to solve it. In fact, it's one of those printers with a with a scanner in it, and um, I think within the past couple of months, maybe a bit longer now, uh, my daughter came in saying, "Dad, I've got this thing. Can you scan it?" And I was thinking, oh wow! <laughs> and yes, the answer was yes. I could scan it from my from my um, desktop machine through in the the other the other room is in the front of the house, uh, the printer, and uh, I was able to grab the uh, the scan off it. Still, you know, I was quite surprised that, um, that I, I've got a I put a different pie on it to to act as the cup server, a newer pie. So uh, so yeah, it it, it did work. But, you know, it's just once a year you get asked to do things like that, I find. And it's not, I very, very rarely scan stuff myself. Yeah, I've got a bog standard sort of an old Canon scanner, which uh, is compatible with Linux, so that works fine. Uh, Canon scanner, I think it is. But it's funny, I, I, um, I had, when I had my network printer set up through through CUPS on my server, I, uh, I had a, the, the printer could print onto... Uh, DVDs and CDs, you remember, and that was all the rage. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And, and, and so there was a dedicated uh, CD DVD uh, printing application that came with a printer, or, or maybe I bought it, I can't remember. And um, of course, uh, that only ran on, on Windows, of course. I think it was maybe Windows XP or something like that. And uh, I had my, because I, I, didn't, I didn't 
really well. I mean, I, I tend to use, and I still the same tend to use Linux when, when I can, and, and I very rarely use uh, Windows. Um, but I, I had this up, and of course, there's a there's an option to print to a, a network printer, and it's it's not the standard Windows network printer. It's it's well, you'll you'll know. I, I can't really remember an awful lot about cups now, but um, but I was actually able to get Windows to talk to this cup server. And it would actually spit out a disk. Now I got an error at the end of it. So, oh, there's a there's a critical error. It didn't work. And then out came the disk at the other side. I thought, oh, that's worked perfectly. So, yes, yeah, so I was amazed. I could I could print something in XP through the cups on my server, other side of the room, sort of thing. Cups is actually pretty good. We we uh, we did a lot of work with that at, at work. You know, we used it a lot. Is what I mean. Um, because in the, the in the various days when PCs appeared. Getting stuff printed off PCs was a was a real pain, and um, there were there were various there was things like LPR and there was a thing called LPR NG. Uh, What's it called? LPR Next Generation, and uh, and then Cups, as I recall, that let you do some quite smart things. We had a photocopier. There was a big photocopier which um, I think it was mainly used by the department to, to produce documentation and stuff. It's a huge, great thing. Um, and uh, it, I discovered, it was on the network, it had been put on the network, and I discovered that it was actually just a printer. You could print print it, so you could do double-sided A3 with it. And uh, I think you could also print stuff, and it had a binding capability. And I have no idea why we had this, this sort of printing and binding capability in the in the department, but we did. I seem to be the only one who used most of it at one time. So great, great stuff. Yeah, very good. I've got, because Clatu did a, a, an episode, one of the great episodes, because uh, he, he became a, 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 by mistake, he became a, a bit of a, a cups expert. So, uh, and I, I, I know what he, what, he was saying something about how he, he, he sort of um, stumbled across the, the bit behind, you know, the, the the cup server, and you know, you look at it through your through as a through a web client. I seem to remember you pop you, know, you pop your address in the the, the the bar at the top, and then you get right into cups sort of thing, and it's 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 like oh, this is this is like it's new world sort of thing. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's got a lot of features. It's really quite cool, and uh, a lot of these um, network printers and stuff also have quite sophisticated interfaces that you can access through web servers in, in my fairly limited experience so uh, but yes the, the whole business of, of printing on fancy stationery and stuff is um is quite uh, quite fun um, at the university i worked at there was a point at which our um line printers on a on a mainframe were used to generate the student matriculation cards and they 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 had special stationery which had um, you know, sheet of paper with a card stuck to it, and the printer would have to go and print their name and you know matriculation number and all that sort of stuff on this card, and then and then uh, spit it out, and then somebody took the card off the the sheet of paper and and handed it to the student because they all got pre-printed before the students arrived, and um, yeah, so I was a little bit involved in in that and setting it up and so forth. It is enormous fun. <laughs> it's uh, universities are strange like that because you, you can there's a certain element of messing about, or, or you know, having a bit more leisure to uh, to get a thing to work. Or there was that, that was the case back in the in the eighties and nineties and stuff. Less so now, but uh, yeah, a lot of fun in that area. Yeah, it's funny. I think I think everybody, I don't know whether it's an age thing. You know, whether you know, you just remember things uh, with rose tinted glasses and stuff. But I hear this uh, over and over again that you know you had more time to sort of do things in the past, and uh, things seem more satisfying. You know, you get hands on, and there's less and less of that now. It's just everything's just just sitting in front of a computer, and uh, it's um, I, we we used to do uh, big print jobs um, with it with uh, it was like folded. Um, the dot matrix, you know these kind of um, what do you call it? It's the folded sheets. They go, you know, left, right, left, right, and a big, big, big pile basically. And this, you go back and forward, and, and uh, come out, the, come in, and you would tear bits off. You do big print runs, sort of thing of of 
of computer program listings and whatnot. So yeah, that, that was that was. Yeah, yeah, that, that was that was pretty much the stuff I was involved with when I first started working in uh, IT. Um, fan fold, hundred thirty-two column line printer paper stuff, the sort that you you would get, and it had uh, alternate green and white bars on it or something like that. That's right, fan fold. I couldn't think of the word. That's exactly it. Yes, it's yes, got indeed. sprocket holes down the side and, and all that, all that sort of good stuff. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. We 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 um we also worked with these uh, uh, great big uh, Diablo discs. Um, these were huge big things. They're like a big giant pizza. Uh, that's what it looked like a pizza box, and you, you pull the the front face down on on the divide and on on the drive. I mean, it was the size of a coffee table. And uh, it would hold, I think it hold, held a massive five megabytes of data. And uh, so you, you slid it into the front the front of the machine and you've lifted the, the so well, it was almost like a bit like a big, I don't know, oven or, 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 or almost like a, a, um, uh, as if you were a toaster or something. You, so you'd pull the thing down and you would slide the big drive into it and then push it back up again. And you'd flick a switch from, from load to run and it would slowly build up and build up and build up, and you'd hear a big clunk, and a big red flag would pop up to show that the, the heads had engaged. And yeah, five megabytes that held. <laughs> yeah, I do remember those times very well. Yeah, yeah. We, um, I probably told the story before, but in 1987, I remember the year very, very clearly because at the university I was at, um, the because it was in the days when universities used to get funded centrally for their computer facilities and they got mainframes and stuff we uh, finished the seven years that we were funded for our mainframe at the time and we were allowed by by government this is a government body that, that had all that money to buy a new a new machine for the for the students and staff and we ended up spending about 1.1 million which is a lot in 1987 on a, a couple of deck faxes yeah 1.1 million it was it filled a big room two massive big machines networking would handle something like 200 and odd simultaneous connections from terminals of course but uh, and uh, we had all this array of big machines with discs in them so there was like a stack of discs one on top of the other and they stood almost as high as, as um you know sort of fridge freezer does these days you know the sort of big big almost walk-in fridge freezers you see nowadays each one of these and they had like three discs in them and um, the total disk capacity for this 1.1 million quids worth of machine was one gigabyte for an entire university. Wow! <laughs> just, people just can't can't comprehend how things. Work. You know, if, you, if you're at a certain age, if you you, know, you, you just wouldn't uh, comprehend that. Um, you know, I, I think I'm sure the first company PC uh, in the office. I think was it something like a hundred thousand pounds, something like that. I, I can't remember. It was something crazy like that for 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 uh, one PC or something like this. It was just yeah, the things were just so expensive. Yeah, and yeah. Even, a dot, even a dot matrix print, printer would be prohibitively expensive for the everyday person. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all. It was probably. Uh, it was, it, they were so rare, weren't they? I guess that was part of why the prices were so high. They weren't. They didn't become commodities at that point but there's also a massive markup on it i suspect because uh, the, the machine that we got rid of um in 1987 it was a burrows mainframe burrows being a company that's long gone now but uh, a great great chunk of a thing and uh i think two guys arrived in we, we sold it for scrap <laughs> two guys arrived in sort of low loader thingies and forklifted it the bits of it into the back of it and you can see the, the suspension on these things sort of way down at the bottom no way they wanted to go over any significant bumps but uh, the story was that those were those are going to be sold into africa where they'd probably be put back into into use again you know it was a it was a very very different world then yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, we tended to have uh, 
equipment it was uh, you know old hat probably even when 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 I I joined because we were using uh, punch card uh, machines they, they were amazing because they were like um, it's like a big Hoover you know you you would you would um, power it up uh, pull the hopper back um, and you'd have your stack of cards which you were very careful not to drop because if you did you'd have a hell of a job getting them back in the right order again <laughs> so <laughs> so you put them in the hopper you push the button and it would build up and it, for all the world it sounded like a great big Hoover. And they got a giant sucking noise and, and then just fly through this machine or often not and just jam halfway through. And that, that was to boot the, boot the machine up, you know, the computer up. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I see those sorts of things. Yeah, the um, the Burroughs machine that we had before had, uh, it was all, a lot of it was punch cards. And as a student, uh, I had, um, used to get a, a thing that looked like a small suitcase, which was the width of a, 80 column punch card and you 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 put your card deck in there and then it was sort of locked and they locked the lid down and there's a handle you could trot around it because lo- <laughs> well betide you if you if you ever drop that lot as you say finding putting them all back together in order would be a nightmare even though in those days people would there was a machine that would put sequence numbers on them on the um the columns from whatever it was 72 onwards or something they put a sequence on and you could actually take that deck to a, a collator and uh, get them sorted according to that that number but you'd need to have been really careful about um putting anything you added to that card deck you would have to make sure that you're you put numbers on it on the cards which interleaved in the right place with the uh, with the cards that were already there you know so yeah, had had a little bit of experience. I never dropped one though. <laughs> well, we never we never had anything as fancy as, as that. You know, we were the collators. If we dropped it, we had to fix it. <laughs> and um, I've seen uh, I've seen great big piles up in the desk. You know, uh, a few feet high sort of thing. But I've seen people carrying big piles of them. And you you you'd strap rubber bands around it. You'd, you know that that's how we kind of kept them together with a big rubber band. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that as well. I've seen that as well. I I once saw. This was at Manchester University when I was a student there. I saw a guy come from the computer department uh, with his punch cards and a big pile of printout on the top of it. You know, something which must have been six, eight inches thick or something like that, maybe even more. And he had that balance on top of his, his cards and he walked around the corner and he didn't have anything on the top of the printout. Just wet down and it was a windy day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he, in between the buildings of the of the university, used to get some incredible, you know, winds and little mini tornadoes and stuff. And his entire stack of printout just got sucked up into the air by a by a sort of mini tornado and, and disappeared. <laughs> it was tragic. I think it was completely wrecked because it was sort of mashed up and uh, sent all over wow. the place. So yeah, yes, those are, those are the days. Oh, Craig, that's something else. You, you're talking about suitcases, which is just reminding me. Uh, these 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 Diablo discs, as I say, they were they were. If you if imagine the size of a of the you know the, the seating the, the the seat cushion of of a, the seating portion of a normal office seat, and it was probably that that diameter, maybe even more than that, in fact, um, and. Uh, a hard case thing, maybe a, a, I don't know, an inch deep, something like that. And uh, I remember that our, 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 our clerk in the office, and he was given uh, this this fancy device. It was a big, it was a big sort of aluminium clad um, suitcase, and it looked honestly, it looked like something out of um, either a Mission Impossible uh, uh, thing or. Or uh, something, uh, maybe James Bond, or maybe um, Joe Ninety, or something like that. People of certain age will know all these sort of things. It was it was a silver chrome thing, uh, rounded, all rounded and chromed, and really, really expensive. What's going to be inside this thing? It's, it's amazing, you know. It looks so, so, so high tech. And, and you opened it up, and uh, it was almost like a, a record deck thing. Uh, and you basically placed the Diablo dry, the Diablo disc on this device. And it, it had various um, attachments that you clipped on, in various places and opened the, the there's a kind of slice it would open so, you, so the head could get in. And then there was like vernier calipers that, that laid on top of the, the disc surface 
and it, you could rotate the disc and look for for wobble, you know, as a as a, as a, as a, as a disc, disc buckled by more than X percentage. If it is, then it will be failed, and all this stuff to, to check the integrity of the disc, sort of thing, you know. Uh -huh. And crash the heads if the if the disc was too wobbly, I think. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, so the whole host of of you ch you checked for. The, you checked the actual outer edge to make sure it wasn't um, it was it was wasn't moving in and out basically, and also up and down as well, and and various other tests that you did on the thing, you know, um, and there was counters and all sorts of things. But I, I thought it just looked so high tech. I, th I think it came from America. Uh, typical, uh, you know, obviously Americans make things look very uh, flashy and and and, uh, and look you know like something out of a out of a movie sort of thing. I'm just impressed with it, the, the 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 way it looked basically. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Some of the technology back in those days was uh, did look very, very impressive, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, so I was something I was seeing recently. I can't remember where I saw it on the on the web somewhere. Perhaps there was some excitement over the ability back in the day to visualize the contents of magnetic tape. I think maybe something like that. Um, I. We, I have seen that done, you know, magnetic tape's got sort of recording in, uh, I mean, computer stuff, the half-inch stuff, um, had, uh, did get recorded in, in chunks with tape marks in between and stuff like that, so um, there was a thing, there was a liquid you could get, which was very, very, very fine iron filings in a, in some sort of a medium, I can't, I don't know what it was, like alcohol or something like that and you had to put your your tape out onto a flat smooth surface and paint this stuff onto it with a little little sort of brush thing and then it would all align itself according to the the magnetic um recording on the on the tape so you could the, the idea was that you could spot a, in a faulty tape where to cut it or splice it um around where the tape marks were because the tape marks were just sort of clear clear spots on the on the tape so yeah i remember seeing somebody doing that and then being taught how to do it myself to because I, I had the job of um doing some uh, mag tape uh, re restoration or recovery after they'd got wrecked you know they got jammed in the machine and and stretched and then you'd cut it at a convenient point and then try and uh, re reread from the sort of last good spot on the on the tape i've never seen them spliced actually because it would be really hard they moved so fast if a splice caught inside the machinery you would it would uh, wreck even further i would imagine but uh, yeah it's a lot of <laughs> seems like incredibly cool stuff now it sounds sounds archaic and weird doesn't it well it, it's funny i i, I know what you're talking about there's a uh... There was um the, the, I saw an, an episode of it was a series it was in the, in the eighties on Channel Four here in the in the UK it was called the uh, the Secret Life of Machines and it was done by I think a chap called Tim Hunkin and he was he, he did one on 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 um, was it in the video recorder and of course before, he he took it from the very early so he just you know how 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 was how did we first record things it was about wax cylinders and whatnot and all the way up to eventually get the video recorder. Uh, I'll just have to decline this just now. Hold on a wee second. And that was my mother trying to uh, <laughs> call me. She's wondering what's happening. Hope she doesn't try again. Oh no. Anyway, anyway so the um, they they eventually got to the bit, you know magnetic recording, and he swiped stuff onto the surface of the tape to show. Um, he actually recorded uh, blips on a bandsaw. Uh, and they had a coil around the bandsaw. It's a pan bandsaw went round slowly. And they made the magnetic moving coil oh, lift up and down to oh, show how you record yeah. it. That's it's really clever. clever. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of clever ideas. And um, now, what else did he do now? That I think, oh, so what he did eventually was to show what uh, a tape is. He took he took um, uh, a piece of cellar tape, and uh, then he got some iron filings and rubbed it over the sticky bit of the iron filings, and then uh, he, he looked into the tape mechanism of a tape recorder, I know a reel-to-reel, -reel, but it just held both ends, basically. And as he let it slide through his fingers, he said, this is recorded in sticky tape and rust. And when he put it back into the heads and pushed the play button, 
OTQ. Wow. Yeah, yeah. The technology was uh, it was effective, but it was, it was pretty primitive, wasn't it? I guess. Yeah, I, I was listening. Funny, I was listening. I've got one of these. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny. I've got one of these uh, Google speaker things, which uh, I got I got given, and it was it would have been a thing I would never ever have bought. You know, but uh, it's, it's it's one of these things. You know, it's, it, I got given it, and actually, I found it useful, so I ended up keeping the thing. And it it was talking about thank you for listening to this and. If you're of a certain age, you, you might have been listening to it and said you could have been listening to, and it mentioned tapes and such like, and it mentioned if, you, and if you're old enough, you might even remember the eight track. And of course, I looked at uh, uh, Mrs. X and said, Do you know what an eight track is? Can you remember an eight track? Oh, no, I don't know what that is. I had to explain what an eight track was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I had a cousin who, who had a, an eight track um, player in a, in a car or something. They, they weren't all that popular over here, as I recall, but. They did. They did exist. I have seen them. Yeah, no, I never had one either. It's probably a little bit before my time, maybe just. Uh, but uh, I have seen one in, in maybe in operation. Uh, and even more interesting, I think I saw was uh, I was at um, there's a there's the um, Museum of Communications, which is over. Um, I don't know. Obviously, for people. Uh, Listen, it's, it's in, there's a museum of communications over the other side of the, oh, what is it now? It's over the other side of the Fourth Road Bridge. I, I, I can't even remember where it is now. But anyway, it, it, it's, it's a wee museum. And they've got some really unique pieces of um, technology. And uh, there's a device that came from Germany. And it uses, uh, it's like a cartridge thing. And it's got a tape and it runs through. But it's peculiar thing about it is it isn't it doesn't isn't based on magnetism it's actually a, a almost like a, a a record but in tape form so that the, a needle gets pressed onto the um the tape and as the, as the tape goes past it, it plays a stylus and i think depending on where you place the head you could have a number of uh, recordings different different tracks uh, which you can just select at any at will by switching from one groove to the next it's, just, and it's astonishing it's just just you know there's no magnetic tolerance it's, it's grooves and on, on, on a tape oh i've never heard of that that's amazing i'd like to yeah i'd like to find out where that is and go and visit it one time that sounds like a good thing to see yeah they do a whole host of things this, this the museum of communications if anyone's in the edinburgh area it's only on in certain times of the year um they had a a, a mini stouger exchange which uh, you can, which they had, they got to have different different things in different years. So you you don't know what you're going to see. You, know, you, you can go to the website and 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 it's called the Museum of Communications. And I say one of the years I had a wee mini Stroger exchange, and you, know, you could pick up the head, the handset and turn a dial, and you could hear all the things, all, all the electromechanical things clunking around and raising and dropping and all that sort of stuff. Fascinating stuff. Yeah, I do remember them. Um, there was a guy, when I was a student at Manchester University, there was a guy who was controlling a uh, bank of cameras or something using a, an old remainder strouger. Because it, it bas- basically you pulsed a, was it some sort of a motor or was it a stepper motor or was it, was it solenoids or something? Because basically you, you, you moved an arm around a, around a, an arc, I think, didn't you? And it made different connections as it went along, something like that. I'd, I'd only seen this once or twice, but he he built a machine that let him take time lapse. I think they were time lapse pictures of, of animals of some sort. I can't remember what. Just remember him saying, "Oh, you want to see my my new my new uh, time lapse machine?" And it was one of those inside it. Yeah, that's exactly how it works. It's 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 electromagnets. Uh, there's coils uh, wrapped around that. I have a ferret core, I guess, and when you put when you put power through the coils, it turns it into a magnet and draws a thing to the next contact. That's how these electromagnets work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, so, so the, 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 I'm sure I've told the story before, but I believe it was a it was a funeral director or something in America that came up with the idea, and it was through necessity. Again, this is in the Secret Life of Machines. If you, I think, if, you, if anyone gets a chance to watch it, I would thoroughly recommend it. And he was saying that what happened was that there was um. There was a, a, a first funeral director, and he noticed that the business was getting quiet, and he couldn't work out what was going on. And then they realised that one of the neighbours or one of the relatives was going to the funeral directors down down the road, and 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 passing on information about people who had deceased. 
And of course, he was nicking all his business. So he said, oh, I'm going to fix this. You know, oh, that's it. She, would, she worked in the telephone exchange. That was it. That was it. So she was finding out all about all these deceased people. And so he said, I'm going to, you know, find a way of, of cutting out the middleman and, and having my own exchange. So I don't need a person to do this and, or something to that effect. And, and it was through necessity. He wasn't even an engineer. He, he just built it out of bits and pieces, you know. That's how some of the best ideas get done, I think, isn't it? Yeah, or used to be anyway. Probably got too technical. Yeah, that's quite cool. That is very cool. Good stuff. Well, we've been uh, chatting now for, getting on for 50, 51 minutes according to this. So, um, do you want to, do you want to carry on and you want to call it, call it quits fairly soon? Yeah, it's probably, probably, probably had enough. I, I mean, I, I, I was going to talk about, uh, I was going to briefly talk about how, how things are, uh, you know. We uh, never got on to, to talking about. No, <laughs> maybe we should do that another time. I don't know because we're getting a bit, a bit long. Here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's typical, isn't it? We, we say we haven't got much of an agenda. There's a few things to chat about, and then the thing just goes on and on into into all sorts of areas. But yeah, we, we, we were originally planning to just sort of cover how uh, how we've been coping with all the, the lockdown and everything. Well, maybe we uh, gives us a good excuse to to do this again before too long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, uh, what what I could say is that <clears throat> there's um, I know that uh, everyone um, finds these sort of things. Uh, some people find it more difficult than others, but there's um. Actually, no. I'll tell you what. No, it's too too complicated. Maybe maybe. Uh, uh, Talking out time about because uh, we'll get all embroiled in the list as well. So yeah, I think that's enough, Dave. I think I. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Well, we'll we'll call it quits at that point and uh, say goodbye to everybody. Okay. Yeah. So uh, how do we say it's? Um, how do we? How, how do you? You and Craig can normally finish up. I can't remember now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, so that we say something like hack, hacker, and then the other one says. Public. <laughs> and then radio. radio. Yay. Yeah. So Bye, everybody. Okay. Bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.